Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of When I Grow Up. On today's episode, it's my pleasure to welcome my guest, Marissa Childers. Hey Marissa, how are you? Hi, good. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, you know, um, I guess I was thinking, so when I asked you to come on, I was thinking about how we met. Mm-hmm. And um, you went to Georgia Tech, correct? Yes. Or no? Did you? Yes, yes, okay, yes. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and then we met, we met through campus ministry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I remember about you, Marissa, is that you were, you really loved dancing. Is that still true today? Yeah, I, I still love dancing. Oh, amazing. So like, it, I always t- I had a dancer on recently, actually. Um, her name is Eileen Kim. And she's like, so I don't know if you've heard of her, but she's so great. And I and I was fangirling because if I could do it all over again, that's what I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> but do you like, um, do you keep up with your dancing? Yeah, I've been taking a lot more classes recently. Um, it's been really fun, but I feel like as I grow older, uh-huh. like dance becomes more of like a like appreciation of movement and understanding like how like I can still move. And then like I feel like I've had like such a complex relationship with it. It's been really nice to like um, explore. That's amazing. That's me. Was Gabe around when you were doing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I can't remember like all the classes is why, but um, you know, Gabe's been on the podcast too. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did know that, but I just like. But yeah, um, but anyways, yes. But Marissa, um, it is so good to talk to you. I'm excited to hear what you've been up to. Um, but without, you know, I probably could just socialize with you for the next hour. <laughs> but then that would be um, pointless to our listeners, I feel. Like. <laughs> um, but Marissa, without further ado, uh, what is it that you do? Um, I work in coffee so I'd say I'm a coffee professional and a business owner okay that is amazing um I was telling Marissa I don't really know much about her job other than it's been really like doing well right yeah it's it feels like it has been for the most part Okay, so what? Okay, you're a business owner, and then you're in coffee. So I need you to elaborate just a little bit more. What does that even look like? Yeah, it's. I feel like it's kind of complex because I feel like I do a lot of like things and wear a lot of different hats. So I own a small uh, business called Tan Brown Coffee, um, where I do roasting, and I also do pop ups. And I'm like just trying to like slowly expand. So it's one of those things where um, like I source all of the coffee and coffee, if you don't know, um, it doesn't come brown, um, it comes green. So I have to like basically cook it. So I do that and then package it and ship it to like different people. Um, I source specifically Asian coffees because it was something that I saw um like when I worked in different shops and things like that, um, the first thing that people would tell me is like, it's not good enough or it's like not like a high quality product, but I wanted to show them that that's not true. Um, so sorry, just sorry to interrupt, but just to clarify what you're saying is um, when you worked in coffee shops and you asked about why they, they don't serve Asian coffee or. Yeah. So okay. a lot of the times, like, Asia is a pretty big coffee growing region, um, but it's also one that is definitely underserved in terms of like resources and development and even in how we like approach the, the coffees in a specialty sense. And so when I say specialty, I guess when you go to like local shops and stuff like that, a lot of the shops these days are going to be like specialty coffee shops. And that means their coffees are all graded Um, on like a hundred point scale, 80 points, uh, to a hundred points. Um, but what that entails a lot of times is a higher quality, um, knowing that the coffee is going to be a little bit like, uh, better sourced that there's like some like direct, like intention going into like, um, 
like interacting with farmers and things like that, or like through importers and trying to hopefully advocate for like higher pay across the supply chain. I see. Um, And so something that I noticed that when I was working in shops uh, is like there would be maybe only one Asian coffee. It would be used as a blending like coffee, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But then if I ask more questions about it uh, in terms of like a region, the conversation would stop. Whereas like if you talked about like South America or Africa, there would be a lot larger of a conversation around coffee. And that's totally fair. And that's like what we're familiar with. That's what um, a lot of research has gone into. Um, But something that I wanted to explore more was um, specialty Asian coffees and like why do we not um, place as much value on them? And so part of like with starting this roasting business after being, after working as a barista for many years, it was one of those things where I always wanted to grow more and learn more about the roasting side of things. Um, and so at some point I was just kind of, I had gotten, I had reached out to a lot of different roasters in um Georgia and ask for help. Uh, not a lot of people like provided help. It was like one of those things where it was very strange because it felt very like a gate kept kind of industry. Mm. And so I reached out to people outside of uh, Georgia and like started to listen to like more of like how they got into it. And at some point I pieced together in my brain. I was like, this is just like cooking. And if I know how to taste coffee, Uh, And if I know how to like quality control in that way, then I can understand what's going wrong or right with the roast that I produce. So then I was like, then I'll just, and I know how to cook. So I was like, so it's just a big rotating oven of sorts, right? Applied heat. And I'm a big nerd. uh, So I was like, okay, we're just going to learn how to do this. So I took like a year, year and a half to like, just like develop my palate and then learn how to roast um and then I just like launched small small roasting business but it was something that like scaled up a lot so I started more like with e-commerce and things like that and Uh selling like just roasted coffee online and then over time I was like uh doing different like pop-ups during weekends so serving coffee beverages and like all those types of things just like applying barista skills that I had to um, like more of a pop-up environment and then um, yeah so now like I just have like this small pop-up and coffee roasting business that like I do like wholesale too sometimes and then like I'm trying to grow because my goal I guess in total is like eventually I want to have like an education center and like cafe kind of situation because I want to be able to provide like equitable jobs within coffee. I'm in awe of you. <laughs> That's amazing, Marissa. And like everything you say, okay, all right, we're going to rewind a little bit because I have a lot of questions, but yeah. um, that's really amazing. You, congratulations, truly, like all the work that's been put in. I don't think people realize, um, you know, the amount of um, patience that takes on your part, right? Self-control, like, because like, I'm sure when you get excited about something, or at least this is true for me, um, like mm-hmm. I just want it to like take off overnight, you know, I just yes. want to get things rolling um but you know going back to what you were saying about how you 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 gathered information and took steps forward to do that um okay I'm thinking about the listener right now and including myself like even that process like it's kind of intimidating like how do you even like begin to reach out to roasters like you just google it or what was that process like for you (laughs) um I think it was uh well I think I was very fortunate in that like social media is a thing right oh yes okay and also I'm not necessarily afraid of like if someone says no Mm. um yeah so like rejection in that way doesn't really intimidate me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um because like that's the worst that they can say right um and it was very genuine in it so it's like maintaining relationships past like transaction Mm. and continuing to follow up with people and maintaining like 
because I think something that I realize now that I'm in like the opposite position of people asking me things it's like I'll be very open to like helping but I've seen a lot of transaction come from it and it feels not great all the time Mm. but I think something that I realize is like if I'm genuine in my interaction with people people will want to like build genuine relationships with me Mm -hmm. um and then we can grow together so it's one of those things where it's like there were roasters that I saw like in some roasters that I saw like starting out like in um different parts of the U.S. and I just was like on coffee Instagram all the time it was really uh probably so like it's just funny to me now like looking (laughs) back on it uh but I would just like reach out to people who might have similar experiences to me or whose coffee I really like or who Mm. I see is like serving community in different ways um so I would just ask questions um, and be like hey I don't know if you have time for this but if you do I'd be really interested in learning and here's why I love it. And I love what you said about the relationship part of it. I think that's really important to know and to understand as somebody that wants to hopefully, you know, grow in a specific area. Okay, so the palette part where you were like, I like developed my palette for coffee. What does that even mean for you? Because, okay, one, I'm not, I'm actually not a big coffee drinker in general because I just, when I drink caffeine, I cannot sleep at all <laughs> so yeah. I I but I do like you know like sweet coffees and stuff um but um I have had a dream one once like I still kind of do like um of opening like a some sort of place where community can happen and it just happens to look like a coffee shop right so so I like went to a few classes of like I don't even know like cupping classes is that right I don't know (laughs) and um it wasn't my thing but I did try once or twice (laughs) um but yeah so like is that do you take classes or how did you do that so before coffee my background is design so something like my brain works in a very systematic kind of way okay systematic explorative and like research-based kind of way so like and a lot of I think palette development to me looks very systematic it's also explorative and so when I went into that it's breaking down concepts that seem scary like I think a lot of like what um Like, I don't know. I feel like when I have gotten into coffee more, um, there are, like, things that sound so, like, intimidating and, like, where you don't know what it is. But at the end of the day, it's just coffee. Mm -hmm. It's something that, like, people are interacting with every day. Um, It's it's something that's connective. It's something where, like, people are meant to enjoy it. It's not supposed to be something where we're just, like, uh, all kind of, like, hoity-toity about uh, (laughs) It has to be something that like we're enjoying, right? So at the end of the day, it's um, I have to break down these big concepts that make me feel like I'm not welcome into a space, right? Interesting. Um, so I was like, what does it even look like? And then, so breaking down palette development, yeah, I think I was like, oh, well, I eat things all the time, right? I know how to taste. Okay. I think being able to say that to myself to begin with um, was the first step mm-hmm. where it's like, I know how to taste things. I know how to eat things like and I have good memories connected to foods. Um, and I also have bad memories connected to foods mm-hmm. like we have those types of things. So building that and knowing that um, kind of set it up for like, OK, so what does that mean? It's like, OK. Going into coffee and developing for coffee, it's like I have a like I basically have like a vocabulary and word bank that I can pull from. And this is like like my experiences and my things that I've eaten like growing up or like um, things that I've eaten recently. Or, and it's just how you break it down and describe it. So it's it's really nerdy when it comes down to it, because it's like. I mean, palette development happens all the time, but I think actively working on it, it's like a tool where you're like, okay, so I'm applying this to like then eating. So first doing a thing where it's like, 
maybe I'll eat like a strawberry, right? Uh-huh. When we think about strawberry, it's like you can imagine like what it tastes like and you can that's a very familiar kind of flavor. Um, but then you're sitting there and you're like, you're actively eating it and you're like, Oh, how does, how am I experiencing this right now? I'm like, it's fresh. It's sweet. It does. It's like not, or it like when it's really ripe, it like bursts for like with juiciness in your mouth. Um, it's, it has like a tartness to it. It's not, um, but it's not, um, all the, it's going to leave like a different, um, you're going to feel it like maybe on the sides of your tongue. Okay. Um, this is so fascinating and, right now. Right. <laughs> okay. And, yes. And then I'm like, what does it remind me of? And it's something it's like, okay, this reminds me of a like summer day. Mm. It reminds, it has like a feeling that's more like bright. Um, and it makes me happy. Um, so then applying that to coffee, it is like, I have to try a bunch of coffees, right? And so I would do the cupping kind of thing that you had mentioned before, uh-huh. where it's just setting up a bunch of different kinds of coffees. Uh-huh. Um, and so for cupping, it's basically like, um, it's a standardized way of trying coffee okay? because it's just soaking grounds in water for a specified amount of time at like a very specific ratio. I see. So then when you're like quality controlling it, you're not putting in variables like a like a pour over would because like pour over or even like drip coffee, you're adding in different levels of like agitation and like different water temperatures and things what? like that. Yeah. <laughs> and so with cupping, it's very straightforward and simple because you're just putting coffee in water and letting it sit. So you're getting like the true natural flavor of the coffee by doing that? Yeah. I, yeah. That is amazing. Okay. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I never thought about it, you know? I never like thought like you called it agitation. Like that's so crazy to me, but um, but but I get it. I understand what you're saying because, yeah. I mean, anything can mm-hmm. impact the flavor. of It's like co- like you said, it's like cooking. <gasps> it's like cooking. Amazing. I'm like light bulb moment for me. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, And so, like, for example, like, agitation is kind of like if you have sugar in water, right? Like, Uh if you stir it, like, more sugar is going to dissolve, right? So, like, for coffee, because it is something that dissolves into water, basically, like, if you add more motion into it, you're going to get more particles of the coffee into the water. Okay, okay. Um, But, yeah, so, like, with palette stuff, I would set it up in the most standardized way possible. Just taste a bunch of things. And be okay with the fact that sometimes I was going to taste it and be like, I don't know what I'm tasting, Mm. but I know what I'm feeling, you know? And so like writing down things that would break, break down kind of like what I was experiencing Uh uh and then being able to then map that on to the things that I've been eating. So it was kind of like twofold where it's like trying a lot of coffees to understand different regions and different kinds of coffees from different places, Uh kind of like wines, Uh which is interesting. Like you're going to have different flavors from all different places. Um, But then also trying different foods and things that are more common inside of um, coffees and relating that back to, back to each each other. Um, And so it sounds very intense. Sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. But I think with palate development, it's just building a vocabulary um, of why and how you get to things. So like when I would tell, when I try to teach people about this, it's one of those things where it's like, like someone might taste a coffee. I'm like, how does it make you feel? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, that's fine. Just think about it for a second. Mm-hmm. They're like, um, this reminds me of like, my friend's bathroom and I'm like why and they're like oh uh because they had like a cinnamon air freshener or something like that oh. and was like okay so there might be like cinnamon in there or flowers or like apples or something like that's I know it's a weird example but no, like but yeah so like more perfuming so like kind of breaking down things and like sometimes there'll be like really specific scent memories and like since memories that come with coffee because I know I've had one one time where I was like a flavor note for this that I'm getting is like purple icebreakers gum and I was like this is very strange but this is what I'm getting and then I broke it down because I was like okay what am I getting from that that means there's a little bit of like menthol 
mm-hmm. kind of like uh, cooling nature to it. Mm-hmm. That means that there's grape that I'm tasting um, and that it's a little bit juicy, like in how it feels in my mouth. So it's kind of like those types of things. Marissa, this is like so cre- um, like fascinating for me. I... I mean, I love how you um, broke it down, right? Like the coffee itself, palate development. And, you know, for me, what I get from this is like, oh, I should do this with everything in my life. Like, just like, you know, like just kind of like simplify, take a second, take a beat to like simplify it. And then what is it that I'm actually doing, you know, in, yeah. in any situation? So that's why I'm like really amazed about your initiative to how to go about doing this. And um, man, you really put the work in. Okay, so... Um, uh, I guess my next question would be the coffee that you sell, right? Like, so through this palette development, what happened after that? Like, did you find the coffees you liked or wanted to, you know, roast for your company or yeah. How did that work for you? I think with palette development for me, it was to figure out what defects were when roasting. So knowing whether or not my coffee was over or underdeveloped um, or like what profile I was looking for and like how I could correct things. Okay, pause, so like, pause, pause, pause. Uh-huh. One second. So what you're saying is even by how you roast it will change the taste of the coffee. Yeah. Okay, so like I know people that have like burnt burnt it while roasting. Mm-hmm. Cause like my friend, they did like um like they did it in a popcorn machine or something like that and they like would burn it time to time and so I know that happens but like even the duration of how long you roast it could affect the coffee itself yeah yeah yeah. so because coffee comes green Uh uh-huh um and is basically like the seed of like a cherry like coffee cherry and then there's like the seeds inside uh the dried seeds are like what we're grinding and like consuming um so they come green they're a little bit vegetal um so like if someone were to just brew well I don't think you could really brew green coffee because there's not like a lot of uh like dissolvable like particles in it Mm -hmm. um but if but it's kind of vegetal so when you're roasting it you're applying heat to develop the sugars that are inside of like the coffee, uh, coffee seed basically. Right. And so it's kind of like, if you think about, I like to compare it to like onions, right? So if you put, if you have a pan, uh, and it's like way too hot with onions, they'll crisp up right away. Right. Uh Right. Whereas like, if you like have a, pan that's like medium heat um and then you just put them in and they're like kind of like like lower and slow they'll caramelize and so coffee goes through a similar kind of process Mm -hmm. in terms of like there are sugars that are present in the coffee Mm -hmm. and roasting is bringing out that like the sugars and the caramelization within that kind of um step and so um there's also like different acids that are in coffee and um yeah acids and sugars and things like that that like kind of influence like how the coffee is going to taste Uh and uh so applying um different levels of heat or like time is going to bring out different uh characteristics of the coffee so you could have two people roasting the same coffee and Uh taking different approaches and the coffee tastes completely different um so it's kind of just like each roaster has uh the ability to change coffee in different kinds of ways okay so so that would okay that makes some sense to me because i'm like so what's the difference between like like, why would I buy this company's coffee over this company's coffee when it seems like they're selling the same coffee? But it's probably not, right? Because the roaster is different. Oh, that is... I had yeah. no idea. But I'm just, like, ignorant about this kind of stuff. But this is really cool. Um, Okay, so going back to what I originally asked, you said that the palate development was to determine, like, the roasting process for you. Like, what you were doing 
right or wrong or yeah. how to improve it. Okay. And then, so then what were the next steps after that? Um, next steps after that were just kind of like, once I figure out like a profile for the coffee, uh-huh. like whether or not I like it or not, uh-huh. or like if I could, if there are things that I can change about it, um, then just like deciding on that coffee and then, uh, moving forward and like trying to, I guess, I I always wanted to get into like the roasting side and like selling coffee. Uh-huh. Um, and so there's kind of a, like a risk for me in terms of like wanting to source specifically Asian coffees. Right, um, right. But at the same time, like it was something where it's like, there's not a company like that in uh, Atlanta or Georgia. So it's kind of like I wanted to take up that kind of space. Um, and yeah, it started more as just like a project for me where I was like, it's going to be this small project. I start with no money, basically, and just like a lot of the resources that I kind of already have. Um, so, yeah, just like moving forward out of that once I chose a coffee. Um, then I was just like, let's let's start. Uh, I have background in like design so I designed all my labels designed the website like did all the social media work like all of those types of things yeah um so it's kind of like just trying to see how this thing scales and like what it looks like um man that's really cool I again so um I the coffee that you sell currently I I don't know anything I'm so sorry I should have studied a little bit but um do you sell different kinds or is there just one kind yeah yeah yeah. so I have a few different kinds of coffee mm-hmm. uh right now and I have to add more I've just been so busy that I'm just like no I'm, I'm <laughs> all these things and I'm like I need to add it on there yeah so they're from different like uh Asian regions and stuff Uh like that so right now on the website itself I have a coffee from uh West Java which is a region of Indonesia um and the processing methods so coffees go through a bunch of different processing but the process for this is going to be like a a wet hold semi-washed processing which is uh very specific to Indonesia and they do it based off of like the humidity levels that are there um but this this coffee I really like because it ends up tasting like kind of hoppy but has like a nice milk chocolatey thing. It's Ooh. relatively like sweet coffee. Like it it can be funky and like more floral, but it can also be very approachable, which is something that I very much like about that coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have another coffee right now that's from Papua New Guinea, um, and it is a naturally processed coffee it's very like aromatic and um I would say like opening a bag of it like once it's roasted it smells very like fruity almost which I'm like this is very interesting um but yeah there's a few more that I'm trying to add up there pretty soon hopefully um I have a coffee from India which is really neat to me and uh, there's another coffee that I have that's from Myanmar, which is one that I used for uh, competition. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, again, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I am so excited. I, I think I would love to try. But okay, Tan Brown, what is the meaning behind this name? Okay, so Tan Brown, it started uh, because I did have a business partner to begin with. His name is, uh, but then he, he got busy. So like, you know. Things happen. Kinda, life happens. Yeah, yeah life happens. But this <laughs> is Ethan. Um, and so we were joking around like at dinner one day when we were trying to figure out like branding for everything. We were like, what do we want to do? Like, what to do? Like, how do we feel about names? Like, what do we want it to look like? Like all these things. And then we were going through like colors of like how we want it to feel. We were like, we want this to feel like warm, welcoming, playful um kind of nostalgic and then so we were like maybe tan maybe brown like having those colors and we were joking because we were like maybe if we put those together it was like oh tan brown and then we were like we're tan and brown oh yeah coffee's tan and brown um we're just gonna put that together (laughs) tan brown coffee I love it um but 
it's also one of those things that as I continue exploring like Asian coffees, it mm-hmm. is a reminder that where coffee comes from, the, the people um, and things like that. So it's kind of like a reminder that coffee is not always like a white industry as we see yeah. like in the West. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so, that's true. That's true. Yeah. That's really good. Um Okay, so like I feel like I should ask because you know you said you were a design major, um, and in college, um, at what point did you really start going after this? Like, do you have you always loved coffee, or did something happen where you were like, I really want to do? Th-? I mean, I guess you said you worked in coffee shops and you wanted to, you know, create a space for Asian coffee, but was there, I mean, anything else more to that? so I think um sorry I have to call again no you're good (laughs) so I think for me once I I'd always loved like coffee and stuff like that and it was something where like I mean during school I definitely used it as fuel like more and more but then like (laughs) as I was uh like once I graduated college I had like a bunch of friends who were getting into like the nerdy like pour over things and stuff like that and I thought Mm -hmm. it was so cool I was like I can never do it like it sounds so scary um but then I was like uh I was working in my first like design role and like job and stuff like that and while I was there it was I was so it was the office was in a basement it was not something where I felt like I was able to like thrive. And I actually went through like pretty bad like depression during that time. Mm-hmm. But like the only thing that was interesting to me in the office was the coffee making. Like they had like a station for like a Chemex. So like a pour over kind of thing. And I thought it was so fascinating and I just like really wanted to learn it. And so there was just a point in time where at the end of like w- end of me working at that job, I was like, oh, I'm just going to be a barista and like I had already kind of um like I mean I had a fascination in it it was something that I was trying to do at home like all this stuff but I was like I'm just gonna go do this and try to figure out what I want to do um so my last day at that job was actually my first day working at a shop and so like I shifted into that space and then I was like oh my gosh like I really love this because it was everything I wanted out of a design job um because it was interactive it was iterative it was something where um like I felt like I could like connect with community Mm uh as well as um yeah where I felt like I could connect with community as well as see like that like behind the scenes like systems like working together with like your like coworkers and stuff like that and like there's so much like intention that happens and if something messes up uh then like some and like sometimes customers don't even notice but then mm-hmm. sometimes they do and so like what causes that like break in um like I don't know the system which like, I thought was really fascinating itself, but it's also yeah. like yeah there's always something to learn mm-hmm. um and I really loved that and so as I continued into it it was something where like I also found like a really like deep community within the coffee space which I felt was very different than other industries that I had been in you know you're not the first person to um say that to me actually I I know a friend in she lives in northern California but she too like she doesn't she didn't start a business or anything but she really loves a coffee community and Mm. you know and I didn't really understand but to hear you talk about it a little bit more I'm starting to maybe understand that there's just more to it you know and I feel like there's a deeper and then you're right I think like the a cafe setting right it really does spur on um a opportunity for people to like pause in life and then like get coffee you know and then just you know socialize and be and so um that's really that's really cool marissa yeah i definitely think that there's a very rich like coffee community and whether people are like directly like a part of it or like are able to see it um i think what's something that's resonated very heavily is like how like some of the best friendships that I've made in the past few years have been coffee people yeah and like I feel like I've 
been able to, I don't know, just know that people will show up at different points, like, and it's, it's really nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I don't want to keep you for too much longer, but I do have um, a few more questions if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Um, can you, you know, I feel like we've talked a lot about the highs of you starting Tam Brown, but I'm sure there are many challenges along the way. Um, would you mind sharing with me uh, some of the maybe larger obstacles that you had to face and try to overcome in order to get to Tam Brown what it is today? Oh yeah, I mean it's still it's still growing. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's like a big challenge. Um, I think challenges. It's like I started with no money, which is already like a really big right risk. Um, I started with like what I could put into it, and things that had been like donated or things that like. So like for example, my entire like express or like espresso setup for like pop up stuff is a lot of stuff that I had gotten from doing like small like digital competition things. So I didn't put very much money into that. I'm sorry, what or... what digital competitions? You have to just explain a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like digital like coffee competitions is very like nerdy things where it's like I was like okay, so I'm gonna go like compete in this thing like for fun or like participate in this thing for fun, and then they send you like. Uh, equipment and things like that and like there's just different like sponsors and like yeah Okay, wait. So, before, sorry. Before I, mean, I know, I know you. You were talking about challenges, but I have to know, like, how does one compete in a co- coffee competition? Oh yeah. So there's a lot of different types of coffee competitions. Uh-huh. I've done like digital ones, and then I did um, some of the more like uh, national ones this past like year. Okay. So. They're, they're like kind of weird. So the digital ones were fun because like they had like a bunch of different like challenges and you just like, we basically filmed episodes, which was really like, I don't know, it felt really chaotic, but it was uh, like just small like coffee challenges. Um, okay. And so that was, that was fun. But then um, when it came to, when it comes to like different competitions, there's like more on a national and global level there's uh-huh. like six kind of like main competitions where it's like there's a barista competition there's brewers competition there's um latte art uh cup tasters which is like cupping one a uh, roasters one and then there's also uh coffee and good spirits so coffee cocktails and so the one that i recently competed in la- this past year was brew- brewing competition it was my first time ever competing in it in like a national each level and it was so so hard (laughs) (laughs) because most people who compete in it have a lot of like company support Mm. and have like a lot of like monetary backing and have like coaches which is something where I like when I went into the space I was like I can't believe that people have like coaches for this that are dedicated like it's it's like people treat it like a sport but it's it's very I realized I was like, oh, it's very expensive, but it's also very, like, niche. Um, And, like, I think going into that space, it was, like, so – it felt wild. (laughs) So I ended up making it through the qualifying level and then into the national level for um, coffee brewing. Uh, You are so cool. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. But then I'm like, okay, so just to – like, just for – funsies here (laughs) like it's like based on how you brew it (laughs) yeah so it's kind of like a uh I mean it's like a game right it's like a no I don't know Marissa it can't be like a game what (laughs) yeah I mean it's like a game so with any game there's rules right Uh like uh and they can just be broken down into different things um, so basically for this style of competition, it was brewing like two, well, first there's like two parts of the competition. One of them is like a, op- it's called open service where you're brewing in front of three different judges uh-huh. and like a head judge uh-huh. and you give a 10 minute presentation and you're brewing the coffee that you brought in a very specific way with a uh-huh. recipe that you'd like choose three separate times uh-huh. and for consistency 
while you're giving a like a presentation of how like why you chose this coffee uh, how it's gonna taste when it's like hot warm and cold and like the different attributes that people are gonna experience (laughs) um and like yeah and so doing that three separate times in 10 minutes and so that's and making sure to serve the judges and so that's one part of the competition and then the other one which is like the more fun part to me is you basically have 45 minutes and they give you a random coffee and you don't know what it is uh and the judges don't know who you are at that point because you're you're given a number and you brew the coffee and you taste it and like whatever and in the last seven minutes of and you you figure out the best brew method for it within the 45 minutes um so in well, within 38 minutes, that's the play time you have with it. And then in the last seven minutes, you have to brew it three times um, and serve it in the cups that they give you. Uh, basically, judges judge it blind. Um, and then you're scored off of it. And so that, it's really fun. Like, I, like, this is kind of mind-blowing for me because I didn't know coffee could be so manipulated in a way that, like, it could be different. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, it's so crazy to me that, I mean, no, I mean, I really appreciate it. Like, I everything you're saying, I'm not, like, uh, like uh, trying to put it down in any way. Yeah. I'm being, like, just genuine about this is um, nothing. I've never thought about this at all. And... I love, I love that this is a thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is crazy. I would love to, like, watch this. This is, <laughs> this is really fascinating. Like, so, how exciting. It's very exciting. <laughs> it's so um, neat. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I guess I'm just geeking out a little bit, too, is what's happening right now. But, okay, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you while you're sh- explaining your challenges to me. But so you were saying um, you did some of these digital competitions in order for you to even have the equipment that you need to start doing pop-ups and stuff. Yeah. Um, so uh, so what, what are, is that part of the challenges, like the biggest challenge for you? Yeah, I mean, everything... Um... <coughs> The biggest challenge has been finances. Yes, Basically, always. Yeah. Like trying to figure out like what what is going to work, what is not going to work. Where do I have to like uh, cut on things, but then where is it something where I just have to trust that it's going to work out right, and be okay right, with it, right. or like take a risk and things like that. And because I don't, ha- I didn't have a lot of money going into it at all. It was like one of those things where it's like I really have to just like. I have to hope that it's going to like work. Mm. Um, and a lot of the time it's like, this was not necessarily like my main, main thing. Um, and I think I did that with the intention of like, I didn't want to be in debt. Mm-hmm, um, and so part of it was just like, how do I grow this thing um, that I really, and I also didn't want to hate it. Because something that I see is people grow and scale things way too quickly to where they can't control it. Um, and not only that, they're not able to build something with like the the same kind of level of intention um, and care that they would have like if they took a little bit more time. Um, and so for me, I kind of wanted to have like more of a proof of concept that mm-hmm. I would that this makes sense mm-hmm. and that um I would still enjoy it um, as I like continue to grow. But yeah, finances have been really, really hard. And I think that in terms of like, just like growing things, it was something that I just like didn't fully, fully realize Mm -hmm. the beginning. Um, But I'm glad that I have that realization. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also just like learning how to operate a business in total and working with, uh, working with people and working with different like companies and organizations. And then also knowing that a lot of times like people may not have like your best interest um, Mm. like in mind. And so like being hurt by different people who I trusted, um, but then growing from that and like learning from that. 
And I think that there's been a lot of challenges in those kind of ways. And I, and a lot of times I'm just like, what am I, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> why am I still doing this? Um, I think even just like, there's parts of, uh, that people don't see in terms of like, in terms of like, people don't see like the late nights that you spend on like projects. They don't see how much work goes into like a pop-up or like building or like basically having to bring all the equipment, set up shop and right. break it down every single time. People don't see like the, <laughs> people don't see like recipe development. They don't see any of those types of things or like what, or like waiting on different like shipments. Like it's small things and like behind the scenes things that like people don't see they Mm -hmm. like they're able to see like shiny like bright Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. parts of it um and like I wouldn't ever give up like the the hard work that goes behind it but it's one of those things where sometimes it's just like I'm so tired like I don't know what I'm doing and it's a big challenge but um it feels good like yeah I wouldn't trade it um but yeah and even just like I think sometimes there's like the emotional pull too of like being very attached to something Mm. um because it's something that you're like growing with and it's like basic it's like yeah like you're growing with um, it's your baby it's baby yeah um but then it's like being able to like yeah just not be as attached to it sometimes and like I think something that I was like telling someone the other day I was like laughing I was uh like I feel like I'd be so I I'm less hurt when people don't enjoy like the coffee but I would be more hurt if I heard someone tell me that they didn't think I worked um of course I who who is it? I'm gonna punch him in their face. No, 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 <laughs> who no. is that? No. I got your back, Marissa. Oh my gosh, that would be terrible. I mean, yeah, no one wants to hear that. Shoot. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, no one has ever said it, but I was like, I realized that that's like one of my biggest like fears. Fears, yeah. Of things I'm like, I never want to be a kind of like owner of something that like people look at and they're like, oh, that person's never worked right or doesn't know how. Uh, to do anything and I'm like that is so inherently just like not true but it's just funny I'm like uh, yeah just how much time energy effort it's like and intention and things like that like I want to be able to like continue to pour into something yeah so I realized that that's like an emotional challenge that like is there as well yeah so yeah absolutely no I appreciate you sharing that with me Marissa because I think um I just want immediate results so much a lot of the time. And I'm, I don't think I'm the only one, especially in a, in a um, social media generation, right. Where it just, things happen mm. instantly and it's a pretty all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's so much respect from me towards you. Um, the time and int- intentionality that went into to creating tan brown and what it is today because even what you said too about how like keeping it to scale and not letting it like get out of hand so that you can stay intentional and and still you know in years to come grow it in a way with wisdom is like so inspiring and I I truly hope like as you're talking to like you know how you said like all the work that you poured into it that you wouldn't take it back because you love it I what I what came to mind for me was like man I hope my kids like Eli and Zoe find their tan brown one day you know like find the thing that they love and that they work their butt off to do and they wouldn't take it back for anything you know and um Marissa, thank you so much for just sharing that part of your life with me tonight. Um, I don't want to keep you for too much longer, um, but uh, you share some of your challenges. What is something that you love about doing Tan Brown? Oh, man, I love so much about it. I love, <laughs> I love just like I love making coffee for people. It's something where it's just so fun for me and I love being able to be nerdy about it. I love talking with people about um, 
just things that I care about. Uh And then also I love being able to, um, I love being able to give back in different ways too. Mm -hmm. So like for me, whenever I get to train different baristas or like when people reach out for like help with things, like those are things that like really make me happy because it shows me that like, um, I can be kind of like the resource that I wish that I had when I was um, starting. So in a lot of ways, I think seeing um, industry growth is something that I really love as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So if anyone was interested in asking you more questions, would it be okay for me to connect you with them? Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, Okay, last question that I always ask all of my guests is um, advice. If someone listening right now is like, hey, you know what, this is maybe they don't want to start with coffee, but like just their own business model. Like, do you have any advice for them? (laughs) Uh, Don't quit your job immediately. (laughs) Good advice. Yes, that's good advice. (laughs) Yeah. And also making sure that you talk to people and like understand people who have like been doing it, like find resources and talk to them. Um, and also don't pe- don't take people for granted. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's really great. Yes. Don't isolate. Mm. Don't, you know, I think, and also, I don't know if people, when I was growing up, I feel like there was more of a competitive spirit than maybe, I feel like these days it's more collective, which is amazing. Um, but, um, I can see how there would be a tendency sometimes when you want to start something new and instead of collaborating, it's just like, no, it's all me, all me. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, Marissa, thank you so much for your time tonight. You are, you are like coming, you, I'm sorry, can't speak. (laughs) Um, I know that you are just getting over a cold. So I appreciate it even more that you were able to share with me so transparently. Um, You guys, Tan Brown Coffee, go check it out. Um, Marissa, you're awesome. Thank you so much. If you guys have any questions for Marissa, as she said, you know, just feel free to reach out or I can connect you with her through social media or you can email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com. Thanks guys. Until next time. Thanks, Marissa. Peace. Thank you.